Amen. Amen. Well, um, yeah, Christmas is, is actually here. It's upon us um, just in a few more days. And so um, I, I just want to let you know what I've been praying for you this week. I have been praying that this next um, five, six days coming up till Christmas, um, you would be able to separate yourself from all of the stuff that's going on in the world and that you would truly be able to engage with the goodness of our Father. And so that has been my prayer for you. Um, that is going to be the heart for, for this message. Uh, but before I jump in there, I had something happen to me earlier today that I need to uh, show you. Um, and so here's, let me set the context here. How many of you have Christmas gifts under a tree already? Yep, okay. You at home, I'm sure you have several gifts under there. Well, like you, we do as well. And we have gifts designated for certain you know, individuals, our parents, our kids, and all that. And just, I know you guys probably all know this, but I have a son who's 24. I have a daughter that's just about to turn 22. And so I'm thinking that the gifts under the tree are safe. Okay? You know, because when they were little, you kind of like, okay, you know, you're not sure if they're going to tear into them or not. And so we have the gifts kind of designated and, you know, different names on each gift. Um, and so this morning, I come around um, the tree into the living room, and um, little did I know that there was one of our family members that we love so dearly that I can't believe would do this, but check this out. Jaylee, did you open a present without, it's she, not time to open presents, what are you doing opening your presents? She did that. She, she grabbed that. a present and opened it, and she loves it. So, <laughs> so that's our little dog. And here's the, here's, I don't know how this worked out, but she grabbed her present. She didn't open up anybody else's. She must have been playing and squeaked it and was like, oh, and pulled it out, opened it up. I come around, there Jaylee is playing with her new little toy. We didn't have the heart to take it away from her. So now she ran around all day with that little toy. This is just so cute. Oh, man. Hey, we're in a series called The Root of Jesse. I'm going to just open up with a quick word of prayer. Um, and here's, uh, I am going to have some interaction tonight. Um, and so I am, here's what I'm asking you right now, that as I pray that you would just open your heart to not only receive what God has for you, but maybe, um, maybe God has something for you to give today. You know, a lot of times we come to church expecting to receive, um, and the truth is we're supposed to come and not only receive, but we're also supposed to give to one another. Yes? Okay, so um, let's pray and let's ask God to have his way in here. So Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for um, what you are showing us and what you are teaching us in this series. And so Lord, we pray that you would continue to do so today. God, I pray that you would use my words to communicate your heart. God, I, I'm so excited about this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in and that you would communicate it in such a way that the people listening to me right now would receive it in the way that I've received it this week in preparation. And so, Lord, we just come to you right now and ask that you would take over this service. We give you this time. We ask that you would speak to each one of us directly. And, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to, what you're going to say to us. And, Lord, we give you all glory, honor, and praise in your name. And everybody says, amen. Um, I am going to read the scripture that we kind of founded this series on real quick. I do not have it up behind me. Um, and so here's what I would like you to do. Would you 
just close your eyes for a minute as I read through this and try to grab hold of the truth, the greatness of these 10 verses. It's found in Isaiah, and it says this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what, what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf Man, just get a picture in your head as your eyes are closed right now. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put in its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Man, what a cool section of scripture. When you really take time to just kind of take it in and realize that this shoot out of the stump of Jesse, it says. And I love what DJ kicked this whole series off with in the fact that an unexpected baby from an unexpected place, and he talked about that stump and how, you know what, when you look at a stump, what do you think? Dead. Dead, thank you. When you look at a stump, you think dead, and yet out of this death comes this shoot. And how many times does God do the unexpected in our lives in areas where we think is dead? And you'll have to go back two weeks and listen to that message. But DJ talked about an unexpected place and lineage comes this little baby, given as an unexpected gift, bringing the kingdom in unexpected ways, giving unexpected hope and longevity to our lives. And again, if you didn't listen to that message, go back two weekends, first weekend in December, December and listen to that message. And then Rob last week, he actually brought to our attention, there's the unexpected, unexpected blessing, which is an unexplessed, <laughs> an unexpected blessing that was given. And here it was, it's the right that we could be grafted in to this unexpected gift. Yes? And that we are grafted into, not only into Christ, into Jesus, but we're grafted into a family. We are grafted in to bear fruit, which means that you and I all have a purpose and a plan. God has something for us. Every single, this should bring great hope to you because every single one of us has been grafted into Christ. Therefore, we have purpose. We have a plan and there's fruit that he wants us to, 
to let manifest. And I love what Rob said. You know what? It's for his glory, and he's the one that comes and does that in us. It's not even something that we have to... Apple! You know, you, you don't have to strive. It just comes out when you have this understanding... When you grab a hold of what we're teaching here through the root of Jesse and the fact that all of this unexpected, unexpected things take place, it's because God wanted you to know that it was based on him and not us. Amen? And that's what we're celebrating for Christmas is all of these unexpected things. And so when we were talking about this weekend, um, I wanted to talk to you about the unexpected kingdom. And we've talked about the kingdom a little bit, um, but there was a scripture that I was reminded of that um, I, just, I just felt very strong in my spirit. Man, I need to teach on this. I've taught on it in the past, but I want to teach on it again. And here's what was really cool. I had one expectation, and as I started to study, an unexpected thing started to happen as I was planning and prepar preparing for this. And so I hope that you guys will join me tonight and that you will... Um, that we can, as a family, kind of have fun going into this. The scripture is Romans 14, 17. And it says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you where I was going to go, and I, I'll get there uh, in a little bit, but I was going to focus on that righteousness, peace, and joy, and start talking about that and what Christmas means for each one of those. But before we do that, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, we have to understand the first part of the scripture, which to be quite honest with you, in all the years of ministry, I have read over it and passed right by it to get to the righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. But it starts by saying, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And I started to think about that. Eating and drinking. And so here's where I would love to get some feedback uh, from you. What type of things happen at your house when you get together with your family, whether it's just uh, your immediate family, or you get extended family over, what kind of things begin to take place when you open up the table and you sit down as a family, when you gather together and you break bread together, what kind of things have you seen happen at your table that have been um, just something that you were either blessed by, surprised by, something unexpected that might have happened? Um, what are some of those things that take place when you sit down at a family dinner to eat with one another. Just lift your hand and we'll get, get a mic to you because we want this to go online. And by the way, those of you that are watching online right now, I would love to hear from you as well. We've got people um, looking at the comments and we'd love to get your input in this as well. But again, what happens at the dinner table? Laughter. Laughter. Okay, love that. What else? Um, deep conversations. Deep conversations. Go into that a little bit. What? Um, getting to the, the heart of your family, hearing what's going on in their lives. Okay. Love it. Right here. 
sometimes people will choose to share good news during a meal. Okay, good news is proclaimed during a meal. Oh, I love that. I love that. What else? I know you guys eat together. What else? Okay, so I have two teenage boys. So at my table, it's a lot of comments about the food. And, um, and sometimes good, sometimes bad. Right? A, lot of, a lot of really great conversation that goes along with a lot of interrupting of okay. each other. Okay. I wanted to give some reality. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Somebody else. Just real quick, so he has a brother, and they get together, and they're like 12-year-olds again, telling jokes to each other, thinking they're hilarious, but I think definitely the humor and the comedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, love it. Okay. They revert back to childhood. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know how hard it is sometimes to get everybody's schedule together. So we have a Sunday morning breakfast. We actually always go on Saturday nights since the Sunday morning breakfast. And what we found out with our kids growing up is that um, they would sit around the table for an hour plus. It was like the one time we had their attention. Mm. So just time even, just attention, and I, I love that. I'm going to switch now, and I need your help. Think about the Bible stories that you, you have read, that you've thought about, that you've thought and, and um, maybe been taught. Now here's my next question. What is the difference of eating and drinking in biblical times compared to today? What comes to mind? If somebody were to come up to you downtown Castle Rock and go, hey, what did it look like to eat and drink in biblical times? And how is it different from today? How would you answer that person? No distractions, no phones. Computers. Music. No phone. <laughs> no distractions. Well, that, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think having been in North Africa, just the time that it takes in preparation for the meal. The time of preparation. Yeah. Do you guys realize that in 10 minutes, we can not only get our food, but have it done if we run over to McDonald's real quick? Yes? That never happened in biblical times. I think um, they go on for, I just think of like weddings went on for days. And like I'm the youngest of 12 children. And in our family, it like the party would go, Christmas would go until 5 a.m. the next morning because we'd be dancing. And it, it's and whereas the culture that I've been exposed to now with in, in our marriage, where we merge two cultures, it's it's so much more programmed, and it starts here and it ends here. And and nothing against the culture that I'm in now. There's some some beauty to it, but I miss those days as a kid where we would just eat at different times. We would hug, we would kiss, we would dance. There would be different music playing in different rooms of the house, and my mom yelling at every kid that was under 10. It was just chaos, but it was All fun. And, and that's not the case today. Today, it's so programmed. It's, I miss that piece. I love it. I love it. Online. Yeah, we've got a few good ones online. Alex mentioned a sense of family. 
Uh, Brett mentioned it was a gathering back then, and now it just it's just a routine. Mm. Uh, Deborah mentioned huge families and a big celebration, and Brett added shenanigans. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you guys for being with us online. Thanks for sharing. Keep doing so. Um, anybody else? When it, you think of biblical times, eating and drinking versus now, the comparison, any, anything, that, anything else that comes to mind? Right here. Uh, I just keep thinking Jesus always taught at every meal, it seems. Jesus taught at taught. every meal. Every meal he sat down, there was some kind of teaching, yeah? Right. Oh, man, I love that. Uh, when's the last time you went to dinner and somebody just taught you? Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to shift one more direction with this. What do you think in that context where there was time spent, where there was teaching taking place, um, you know, it actually says that when they sat down, they actually reclined to eat. When's it, I was telling Kim earlier today, I don't know if I've ever reclined to eat. She was like, well, we've had like cookies and stuff in bed. Uh, okay. <laughs> but And they have a sleep number bed. Yes, so and we have a sleep number bed. So it goes up cookie setting and not cookie setting. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, but think about it. The description of meals at biblical time was that they would actually sit in really comfortable um, kind of, I, I picture like lawn chair furniture cushions where you just kind of lay back and the food's there and you just kind of lay and you just eat whenever you want to. And um, they reclined, they took all this time. There's teaching, absolutely, that Jesus would do uh, at this time. Um, there, was, there was ceremonial things that took place when you went to go to the dinner. Um, a lot of times your feet would be washed. Um, the, the host would a lot of times wash your hands as well in preparation. And so you have all these different things, but let me ask you, what do you think in that setting where there's so much time given to it, where there's so many ceremonial things that are taking place, what kind of things do you think is happening to the person that is sitting at that dinner table? What kind of things are being established in that person? What comes to mind when I ask that question? sense of belonging. Would you agree with that there's a sense of belonging? I mean, if you have been asked to come to this place and you're reclining at this table with all these other people and they've washed your feet and washed your hands and they're serving you and they've prepared, and I forget who said it, but the preparation, you know they didn't have refrigerators and freezers then, right? There was no frozen section that you could put a hamburger in and you're like, you know what, I want hamburger later tonight, so we'll take it out and thaw it, throw it in the microwave, have it ready in 20 minutes. They didn't have that. So any meal that they had took a very long time to prepare, and if they were going to have meat, they actually had to go kill the animal, process the animal, prepare the animal, cook the animal, and then present for dinner that animal. There was all of this time, and if you were invited to that dinner, how honored would you feel? How much would you have this sense of belonging that somebody invited you to do this and took all that time to prepare and to do all of that? It's good. What else? What else comes with? From online. 
Uh, Debbie online said connection uh, is something that was very strong that was happening, and uh, Brett and Alex agree with the sense of belonging. Well. So connection, and again, belong, think about this. Have we in this world lost the ability to connect with one another? We have a world that we can literally get our food and eat it in less than 10 minutes, and we wonder why we're struggling in family relations and in interpersonal relationships when we have taken away one of the things that in the biblical times there was such connection and belonging that was taking place at the dinner table. What other things do you think that you might receive sitting at, at that dinner table eating and drinking? I think that um, peace, like just there's no agenda, oh. you know, so you're just you're single-minded and you're you're not like like you know how we're just all over the map like okay gosh looking at our watch like what's next but you're just you're like peaceful and single-minded just re at rest because mm. you don't have you're not thinking about the next greatest thing or the appointment you have it is like where you are so you're just peaceful well and amy what i find is that anything that i actually will put a, a, a an amount of time to like an hour and a half, two, three. It's, it's funny how like the first 10, 15, 20 minutes I might be distracted, blah, blah, blah. but once I realize, okay, this is what I'm doing for the next few hours, all of a sudden I get into it and yeah, that peace. And okay, this is, and, and it's, man, I, first off, I hope I'm stirring a desire to get together with your family and just hang out and eat and just enjoy that time because we miss out because right about the time where you would actually enter in and go, okay, there's peace coming now. That's when we're like, okay, I'm done. See you later. Let's go. And we go on to the next thing. I don't know why we're always in such a hurry. Maybe this Christmas we can slow down a little bit in the midst of all the hurry. And we can actually enjoy time with one another. And we can just let that peace. But, oh, I love that because I think absolutely you give yourself a, to that for an hour and a half, two, three hours. And it's amazing, the peace. I know DJ and Cammie, we got all their kids together last night. And I, there's pictures of that. Cammie came in today and she was just like, oh my gosh, it's so good to have my kids. I, there's just that life that comes when you can just hang out and do that. Kim. It's, to me, it's the art of intentional gathering. It's, it's an intent. It's a purpose that we put forward, like why are we doing this? And then the people feel valued when, they ha when there's intention and we're not just doing it, but we have intention to the purpose for why we're together. So the intention of putting people together, yes. the intention of actually caring for, loving on, you're, you're moving closer to where I'm going with this because here's the truth. Um, we don't do this very well. Mm -mm. No. We really don't. We don't yeah. And we lose that intentionality with individuals and we miss out on opportunities to then share good news with one another, yes? And to call out things. What, do you, what kind of things at dinner in biblical times, what kind of things do you think were called out of people? This is so foreign to us, we have a hard time answering this question, don't we? I would submit to you this, that when Jesus says, or sorry, when Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, I would submit to you this, that he is not just talking about food and drink, but he is talking about the whole picture that comes with eating and drinking. If you think back to this time, whether it's biblical or just medieval, or go back to kingdom time, 
The thing that you'll hear about is kings holding these huge banquets that last for hours and hours, if not days and days, and people are gathered and there's so much food. And I mean, it's just kingdoms back then, a lot of times were all about the food and the gathering together for the food. And I would submit to you that one of the reasons that is, is because in that time, people's identity was given, business deals were done, the sense of belonging took place, people found out where they were in the scheme of the order of where they would sit at the table, the people of highest honor would sit closest to the host, those that weren't would sit farther away, so you kind of understood where you, where you even were in society, it defined a little bit of who you were. Maybe gave you a little bit of purpose, an understanding of that purpose. And so when, when Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, could he be saying the kingdom of God is not a matter of where you find your identity or your purpose or your belonging or fill in the blank that would happen at these meals? Are you getting this? because this blew my mind as I was studying this, because I had never thought about this. I had always thought it was just about food and drink, but I think what he's saying is this, the things that we long for, that our flesh desires, that sometimes even our spirit desires, we, they were getting this at this dinner table. And when he was giving the example, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drink, could it be that he was saying, hey, kingdom of God is not about all of these rituals and all of these accoutrements and all of the place seatings and all of the hand washing and the foot washing and all of the ceremonial things that go into this. It's not about who you think you are or where you think you are or what your place is or whether you feel like you belong or whether you don't belong. The kingdom of God is not about those things from the carnal sense but the kingdom is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so before I jump into that portion, I want to ask one more question, and that is this. If that is the case, what do you guys think is today's eating and drinking? If Paul was with us right now, and he said, Shine Church, the kingdom of God is not... A and B. What would he say? Because I'm pretty convinced that he wouldn't say eating and drinking. Because when it comes to eating and drinking, we have lost this whole concept. This gathering time, this collection, this, this being intentional about pulling people together, we have lost that. So where is it that we find our status? Where is it where we find our identity? Where is it that we find whether we're important or not. Help me out. What kind of things come to mind? How much you have, who you know, how much you've accomplished. Say that again. How much? How much you have or what you have. Okay, what you have. Who you know. Who you know. Or what you've accomplished. Or what you've accomplished. Okay, how much you have, who you know, what you've accomplished. Okay, so let me just replace this. Um, the kingdom of God 
is not a matter of what you have, who you know, or what you've accomplished, but, oh, are you, are you getting this? Because oh, for me, as I was sitting at home, I was just studying myself happy. It was like, oh, this is amazing. I, I, here's another thing about the whole meal thing. Do you know that when they fasted, they fasted from all of these things? If they didn't have a meal, then guess what? They didn't connect. They didn't know where their seat was. But in that, I, they weren't just fasting something to eat and drink. They actually fasted from these things that would feed their soul. Does that, does that make sense? So, you know, I, I just have a better appreciation of even fasting right now because of what I feel like the Lord is showing me. Um, over here, what is today's eating and drinking? I'm going with <clears throat> the scripture that you're talking about with regard to eating and drinking and the kingdom of God being and my mind went specifically to that the eating is of the word of God. The drinking is drinking of the living water, the Holy Spirit, and um, those opportunities that we have because of what we've taken in from God's word to be able to give it out, to uh. serve. And we can do that on a daily basis at any table with anybody so that everything that we do, every meal that we prepare, everything we give out can be given out because of what we know about God, what we have learned in his word. Yes. And how that every little thing, every sip of water, every little piece of bread, it comes from him and it can be used by him to nourish another person. Oof. Amen. That was good right there. Thank you. Oh, so good. So good. Somebody else? There was someone online who mentioned social media is something that we draw upon for our identity. And social media. Eating and drinking. I, yeah, absolutely. What people say about us. If they like it, do you know, we, we watched a documentary uh, about social media, and it actually said that the person who created the like button created it because he wanted to encourage people. And he was heartbroken when he found out that actually people were committing suicide because they weren't getting enough likes. Oh, oh it breaks my heart. Um, like, if you read a couple of the verses before, Paul is addressing, um, like, the Jew church, and he's talking about how, like, the rules of, like, being circumcised or, like, if you're eating a meal with Gentiles, like, they eat things that aren't clean for the Jewish people to eat. And what he's saying here is, like, it's not a matter of, like, what they eat, if it's good or not, or, like, if you think they're good enough to share a meal with, or, if, like, it's not about, like, these surface-level things. It's about the heart of what's going yes. on. It's not about, like this life, it's not about you, it's not about what you think is good or what you think is right, it's about the kingdom of heaven. And like, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's nothing else. That's good. All right, so, um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is your, um, <laughs> what is your, the kingdom of God is not? 
Because I think each one of us probably has a different thing. What is it though? Where are you finding your value? Where are you finding your purpose? Where are you finding um, your belonging? Where are you finding your identity? And truly go before God and ask the Holy Spirit to speak that to you. Because in this day and age, day and age, whether it's the kingdom of God is not coals and target, or the kingdom of God is not boats and jet skis, or the kingdom of God is not being liked by my family and friends, or the kingdom of God is filling whatever those blanks are. Each one of us is going to have a different struggle. And so my prayer, my hope as I was preparing this was, God, Speak by your Holy Spirit into each one of us what that is. And then, and then, we can look into the rest of this. And it goes on and says this. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I would submit to you that I think these are in a divine order. I think that there's a reason that they are listed the way they are. I think that all of us would probably love to jump to the joy, but we can't unless we understand the righteousness and the peace first. And let me explain a little bit. It says that um, in Isaiah, going back to Isaiah, verses three through five, remember, uh, a shoot comes out of the root of Jesse, and it talks about the seven spirits, and then in verse three it says this, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Need your help real quick. Who is he? Try again. Who is he? It's Jesus. It's very clear here that the shoot from the root is Jesus. And he, there's six he's, he, there's six he wills in three verses. And I want us to grab a hold of this because this is his responsibility. Now, here's what's interesting. In this day and age, how many of you like to judge? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I, I do. My name is Dan, which means God is my judge or I judge good. That's how my interpretation. Um, <laughs> how about this? How many of you would like to give decisions for the poor? You tell them what they should do or how they should do it. Or how about this? Um, how many of you want to strike the earth with the rod of your mouth or your post on Facebook? How many of you um, want to slay the wicked? And I'm not saying that that's wrong to have the understanding of that heart, but as I read my Bible, it's his job. That's Jesus' job. Rob did an incredible job last week of bringing out of the section of scripture in Ezekiel 36, where it says 19 times in 16 verses, I will, and that I will is God the Father. Now, I want you to hear the difference between I will God the Father and he will Jesus the Son. 
Here's what he says, and I'm just summarizing real quick. He says, I will show you the holiness of my name. I will take you. I will gather you. I will sprinkle you. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will remove your heart of stone. I will put my spirit in you. I will be your God. I will save you. I will prosper you. I will increase you. How many of you want the I wills? Oh, amen. Now, so get the picture here. I want you to get the whole picture because we have Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The father says, hey, listen, I've got this. I have this under control, and I'm going to do these things, and the things I'm going to do are going to edify, encourage, and uplift you. I'm going to write my precepts and my laws into your hearts and into your minds. I'm going to do this. And Rob talked last week so good. I, I love one of those where it's nothing that we even do. God does it. We just have to open up and let him. And he will write these things. That's God, not the Father. But Jesus, the Son, the shoot from the root of Jesse, he has come to bring a kingdom. And he has come to judge. And he will slay. And he will take care of the wicked. And he will do the things that, yes, you and I inside of us are like, oh, this is not fair. It's not right. But guess what? He will take care of it. We don't need to. Because, you know why? Because he's the righteous one. And here's where we get stuck. Because we think that we're the righteous one. And it reminds me of the scripture that I taught probably four or five weeks ago when Jesus himself said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. They kept 613 different laws. How you doing? I'm failing every day if that's the mark and I'm not going to make it. But as we talked about that, the righteousness is not about what we do. And God was trying to help you and I to understand it's not about what we do, it's about what he did. And we celebrate Christmas, the coming of this baby in such an unexpected way so that we could ask him into our hearts because of what he did for us so that we could have his righteousness and receive the I wills of God. Oh, get that. And as you go into Christmas, Let's get rid of all this COVID stuff. Let's just forget about it. Let's just focus on God. Let's let Jesus deal with all the junk. Yes? Man, we got to get this first. When we do, and we have this understanding that in Isaiah it says that the righteousness is his belt. The, the belt... When you read the armor of God um, in Ephesians and you study that out, it's, it's um, the picture of this, the soldier in the armor and all of the armor is held together by the belt. If you don't have the belt, and in that section it's the belt of truth, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life, yes? And his belt is righteousness. And so church, as we go into Christmas, here's my prayer and my hope for you, that you would let it go. Stop striving, 
Stop trying to convince other people, whatever you're trying to convince them, whatever side you're trying to convince. Stop arguing. Stop fighting. Stop. How about this? Just push into Jesus and his righteousness. Pursue him and what he's done for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Whatever you need, it's going to start by you pushing into Jesus and his righteousness. Then, now get the picture. Righteousness is a noun. So I want you to get this in this verse where it says righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is a noun, and it means what is deemed right by the Lord, what is approved in his eyes. And church, I'm here to tell you, you are deemed right and approved in God's eyes. I'm going to say it one more time. You are deemed right and approved in God's eyes. Receive that. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. Don't let yourself tell you anything different. God loves you. And he deems you right in his eyes. Not based on anything you've done or haven't done, but solely based on what Jesus did for you. And he sees us through his blood. And so receive that. Receive it. If you gave your kid a Christmas gift and they didn't take it, how disappointed would you be? I wonder if God's like, just take it. Well, I'm going to take it, but I got to get things right, and then I'll come back. No, just take it. Use it. Embrace it now. That's the righteousness. And what is it? He says, you are approved in my eyes. I've told this before, but I'm reminded about this every time I use my credit card. Stick my credit card in there. It says, Approved. Ha, I'm approved. And I pull it out. And I always make a joke with the person that's there. I go, hey, I'm approved. Let that be a reminder to you. Every time you use your credit card, you're approved. The transaction might not be, but you are. <laughs> you are. Okay, righteous, peace. Peace, the word there, it's a noun. It's a noun. I'm going to get back to that in just a second. And here's what it means. It's a wholeness. And it basically means this. When all essential parts are joined together, and then it goes on and says, God's gift of wholeness. Now, if I asked for a raise of hands, I'm sure everybody would say, man, I would love wholeness. Okay? Well, church, let me just tell you, you have to get the righteousness piece first. If you'll understand that you're approved by God, then all of a sudden something inside will start to work and turn and change and shift and you'll begin to start to understand a peace that goes beyond your understanding. Because how do we try to get a peace? We try to get peace by having other people agree with us or we try to get peace by getting ourselves right or we try to get peace through all these different ways that we think is gonna bring peace. But I think what God is saying is this. Hey, if you understand that you're approved by me and just start to take that in and chew on that and enjoy that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start getting a wholeness. You're going to see yourself as I see you and not as the world sees you. Rob, does that bring wholeness or not? And when you're counseling with people, if you can get people to see themselves as God sees them, man, all of a sudden broken pieces become whole. 
kingdom of God is not fill in your blank, but it's righteousness. It's God's favor on you. And letting that start to marinate in you to where you get this wholeness. And then when you get this wholeness, you get joy. It's a noun. And here's what it means. It's the awareness of God's grace and favor. And I love this because it's an awareness, which means that we have a small part to play in understanding what we're aware of. What do you spend your time on being aware of? I would submit that when you understand God's favor in your life, that he considers you approved, and you let that wholeness start to happen, you're going to be awesome awesomely aware of his grace and favor. But when you don't let that righteousness and peace in, then what happens is you can't seem to find joy. And here's the beauty of this. Boy, I, get, I hope you get this. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. When you understand God is with you, and he's trying to make you whole, you can be going through some of the most devastating things in your life and still have joy. You can still have a joy about you that goes beyond what anybody could think of or understand. And it's why? Because you understand your righteousness in him and the wholeness that he's trying to make and complete in you, and then you have that joy even when this trial is happening. And so, as we go into Christmas, would you allow the Holy Spirit to show you those areas where you haven't grabbed that righteousness? How will you know you haven't grabbed it? Well, something won't be whole. How do you know that something's not whole? Because you probably don't have joy. And if you work it back and go, okay, what's broken? God, what is your righteous position in this? I believe that he will begin to speak to you and he will share these things with you and just give you a best Christmas ever in the middle of just crazy times. I was gonna close by reading Romans 15, but here's what I'd like you to do, a little homework. Read Romans 15, the first 13 verses. It actually ties back into Isaiah 11. At the, at the end of it, talks about the root of Jesse. But it also gives us a few of the practical things that we do. And here's what's interesting. None of them are about striving. It really is just how we interact with one another in considering other people more higher, highly than we view ourselves. And then it correlates how Jesus did that for us. And so read through chapter 15, the first 13 verses this week. Before you get to Christmas, read through those things. And then try to apply. There are things that we do. Try to apply those things that are listed there. Try to implement them in the next five days before Christmas. I believe that if you'll do that, it'll actually foster again that understanding of what the kingdom of God really is. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you for just the insight and the wisdom. Um, that you have been just showing me in the last four or five days about what it means to eat and drink. 
is so much more than just food and beverage. God, as, as one of the people said tonight, it is your bread. It is your everlasting water that we can partake of. And so, Lord, I pray that as we head into Christmas in the next five days, God, that we would just have a change of heart and a mind um, in those areas where we may be struggling. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to give us a picture of how you see things and God, how you see us. And in the middle of that, God, that you would begin to show us how righteous your son Jesus was and the fact that he, he's got it. He has it. He will come and he will do the things that you have predestined for him to do. And so help us to release those things to him. And then just simply follow your Holy Spirit as we understand the kingdom being righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The whole element that holds it all together is your Holy Spirit. And so be with us and give us just the joy. May this be the best Christmas in the middle of the worst year that we've ever had. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, if you are coming for Christmas Eve, I just want to just give a, a, just a quick shout out. Because we have reserved seating, um, we will actually have little placard, placards on all of the chairs. So uh, there's no need to get here 45 minutes early or half an hour early. Um, so if you could just arrive about 15 minutes at the earliest before the service, that will give us time to transition out of the earlier services. Obviously for the one o'clock, you could come at 11, that's fine. We don't have one before that. But if you're coming at 2.30 at 4, um, if you could just come not any earlier than 15 minutes, that'll help us to get everything set up so that when you come, you'll have your place. But you guys, have a wonderful week. If you're not coming to Christmas Eve service, Merry Christmas to you. Have an incredible time with your family. Enjoy it um, and be blessed. You guys, we love all of you. <laughs>